personal views and opinions expressed by our podcast guests are their own and are not legal advice or official statements by their organizations. Hello, my name is Debbie Reynolds. They call me the Data Diva. This is the Data Diva Talks Privacy Podcast, where we discuss privacy issues with business leaders around the world for information that businesses need to know now. Today, I'm super excited to have a friend from Canada join me. Uh, Her name is Elizabeth Wu. She is the CEO of PC Doc, and she is an award-winning cybersecurity auditor and advisor. Hello, Elizabeth. Hello, Debbie. Thank you so much for having me here. Yeah. Now, as I was saying, award-winning, I want you to explain a recent award you received. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, well, we just won the Canadian Business Award for a Cybersecurity IT Auditor, and that was such a great honor, given that we've been in business for over 20 years, and to be recognized um, among our business peers is is huge honor. Yeah, you're, you know, you and I met on uh, LinkedIn, and we had some chats uh, together. We had a couple of chats, actually, uh, where we just sort of talked about, you know, being women and technology and, you know, sort of uh, in the cybersphere, but in different, different ways. So I thought it would be really great that we do a podcast together, uh, especially I, I love to talk with people from Canada and I love to talk with women who are in technology. Um, I would love for you to talk about your ideas, which I really love, which is explaining cyber in ways that CEOs can understand as um, as they may be the ones to be like an ultimate decision maker, whether they're going to bring on, you know, extra help or figuring out where the gaps are in their organization. Tell me about your approach to explaining uh, cyber to, you know, CEOs who may need certain help and may not know what they need. Uh, Absolutely. And this is partially why we won the award, because we have such a holistic approach that's distinguishedly different from what you're seeing in the media and, um, and what's available are easily recognized by CEOs, business leaders. Um, What's out there is, the buzzword is cybersecurity risk assessment. And the sad part about this, Debbie, is that that one terminology means so many different things depending on who the vendor is. But unfortunately, as a business leader who doesn't know anything about IT or very little, uh, is going to think, oh, it's all the same thing. And, and, and the sad part is that it's not. Uh, the cybersecurity risk assessment out there, if you're, um, you may also hear it in adja- adjacent to penetration testing or hacking, ethical hacking. And that's really just about scanning the firewall ports. So that's a, a very perimeter, if you think of it as a fence around house. So really what that penetration testing is doing is just checking all the boards on the fence to, or the chain link to see if there's any weaknesses in in that perimeter, and they really, that's that's what their risk assessment is like. Um, then there's others where they will go a little bit deeper and look at applications and software vulnerabilities. Again, that's another cybersecurity risk assessment. But with our work, what we do is we're 
we really go back to the basics and the fundamentals. Um, if you, again, we go back to the, the metaphor of the house, what we're doing is we check the doors and locks to make sure that one, they are secure, that they're tied down. We have the type of, we have the type of um, locks, the proper locks that are on the doors and the locks. Um, and then going even deeper into the house, we want to make sure that all the valuables that you have inside are properly tied down, hidden and secured to prevent any type of theft. So that's really what we do. It's very hands-on, very specific to the organization to ensure that there's safety in the valuables, which is also including the people of the house. So we also uh, uh, make sure that the users and the employees are, are also safe and prevented from any type of uh, attacks. And that, that also leads into the phishing and email scams that go on. Yeah, I think that, I, I don't know, I don't know what your opinion is about this, but I feel like we may need a PR campaign about cybersecurity because there's so much misinformation I think that happens in the media about talking about cybersecurity where they may conflate things that aren't really associated together or you know what I see a lot is people think that anyone that does a technology job you know can do every single facet of cybersecurity what are, what are your thoughts about that oh my god that is so true as it's, it's you know what the English language is so limited, do you not find? So we've got this one word, cybersecurity risk assessment, terminology, cybersecurity risk assessment, and it is. Or IT, you're the IT guy. You know something about computers. Well, then you could take care of my entire network. And I, when I was trying to hire and expand years ago, this is what I did. I went to the top... Uh, graduating class around in the university and colleges around here. And I said, guys, um, I'm looking to hire. Then I went to headhunters and I said, I'm looking to hire. And the mishmash of, of experience and knowledge that I got didn't amount to anything because the education system is so segregated to something very specific. So you are you could be an exchange guy, or you could be a system administrator guy, or you could be a database guy, but, and that's your, that's all you specialize in, in as an academic. But then when you graduate, you need some experience. And then the guy who's hiring says, oh, you knew something about computers? Oh, sure, I'll hire you. Now can you take care of my entire network? And unfortunately what happens is that the guy who just specialized in database, for example, he spent four years learning all about databases because he knows something about computers, gets hired on by the business owner who says, you know something about computers, then he, <laughs> and he ends up having to Google university himself and troubleshooting on the job to try and get some understanding so he can help the business owner. And, and that's unfortunately the truth if, of IT is that you get the, la the label of computer IT guy and the assumption is that you know everything when and in fact it's not true at all. Yeah, that's a huge misconception and that's a huge problem. Um, I really think we need to do more public outreach about explaining what 
cybersecurity is and all the different domains, uh, because it does get, you know, put into one little, you know, box. So I guess an analogy I would give would be, you know, like a doctor. So a doctor, not every doctor can do every type of medical thing, right? <laughs> so actually, you know, doctor is really great because you can have a PhD doctor, right? You can have a be a dentist doctor, a chiropractor doctor, and a, a veterinarian doctor, right? A veterinarian, <laughs> yeah. And you know, and it, that is that's actually a really great way, Debbie. You know, in cybersecurity because it's such a trendy, hot topic right now. Anybody who attaches cybersecurity to their name you know, is, is sought after. And um, there's the CISOs out there, they're, they're, it's a brand new title, are fairly recent. There's chief information security officers. Um, their, their title and their role is super important. I am not knocking them at all because they're, they're highly educated. But the sad part about this is that they don't have the technical experience to be able to showcase what what what's important um, mechanically and technically what's wrong in the company what they're really good at is um, organizing plans executing plans maybe being able to find the right type of vendor that is appropriate to the task that is required but to know whether that task fundamentally is the right fit and technically done correctly is unfortunately a bit of a, a gap in their in their role. So yeah. going back to what we do, we've been we've gone through the ranks. We started as uh, the IT guy in the neighborhood. Then we went into being uh, IT for external for small medium sized businesses. We then became IT auditors from an ISO twenty seven zero zero one lead auditor. And then we moved up again, still to uh, the Center for Internet Security uh, framework. And all the way through, we have been working from businesses of coming from the perspective of root cause. And also once it's fixed, once it's fixed once, it stays fixed. And I use a metaphor that says, look, a house, you had your house built and you don't expect your builder to live with you or to be on call with you. And we take the same approach with our IT infrastructure, anything we touch related to computers, whether it be your laptop or your entire operations. What if it's broken, we fix it, but we look for the root cause of why it was broken to begin with. So that's how we come up with once it's fixed, it stays fixed with us. And that's the way we've been operating for 20 years. Yeah. Uh, before our, our uh, session, you were talking about penetration testing. And I would like to bring this up because it's come up a lot uh, in posts on LinkedIn recently. Um, you know, you had uh, had a metaphor about, you know, uh, having a fence around a house, which I think is really interesting, um, especially because a lot of people are saying, oh, let's do this penetration test for this company. And it may give the CEO or the leaders in the company the misconception that that's all that they need. Can you explain that a bit? Sure. The uh, <clears throat> penetration testing, um, like you just said, is is like the perimeter around your your house uh, of your fence. Sorry. <laughs> it's like the, the, the fence that's around your house. 
And if you've got a wooden fence, for example, each plank, um, you don't know whether it's, if it's secured, or it could be a little loose, it could be completely just leaning. So you don't really know that. So what penetration testing is all about is just literally testing each, each piece of wood board, and that would be your firewall ports. Um, and outward firewall ports could be their public public facing like your website um, or you've got firewall ports that are also outwardly facing and they're just there to protect um, anybody any outsiders from coming in and if uh, so what sorry it's a little bit cumbersome so what uh, some of you imagine walking by the your fence and they're testing each board they're shaking it to see if it can come loose or not. And that's what a penetration testing is doing. They're coming in, they're scanning uh, an out external facing port and they're checking, they're sending out a signal to see if somebody's there, if somebody's willing to answer. If somebody's willing to answer from the inside, that means that port or that piece of board is loose. So then if someone is willing to answer their signal then it must be open. So then they'll send a packet of information and that could be a virus, a ransomware file of some sort. They'll send it through and handshake with their the internal response and that packet will then be incorporated into the network. And that's how they get inside. Now, the way to be able to um, does that, sorry, does that answer your question? Definitely, yeah, that answers my question. Okay. The, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I thought you were gonna say something else. Um, so now that we talked about the perimeter, right? Let's talk about inside the house, inside the organization, uh, insider threats. So insider threats is a big deal, um, in my opinion, because I feel like, especially in the media, a lot of times when you're talking about cybersecurity, you see the picture of a guy in a hoodie in the basement, and he's trying to like get into your network. But obviously, you know, uh, uh, what can someone do when they're inside, let's say outsider did get inside your network, but uh, also there are threats that companies have, whether it's malicious or not inside that may cause them harm or cybersecurity. So can you talk about the types of insider threats that uh, companies need to be thinking about? Um, <clears throat> well, there's, <laughs> it's, uh, there's different types of insider threats. And um, there's a term I, that's not really popular, but it is out there. It's called the human firewall. And um, the human firewall is, is basically all of us. We're users, uh, and that would include the IT department. They're human, and they're part of the human firewall. We, we are our own biggest threats as humans because we're... Um, we make mistakes and, and we can oversee things. So the largest weakness that we have as uh, to protect ourselves against any type of cyber attacks is, is to ensure that the strength of the human firewall is, has integrity. And there's two, two sides to this. One is 
the interaction of the emails that we have. So we can definitely prevent our any type of inter, um, we can prevent any type of ransom or viruses from coming in if we don't click on those horrible phishing email expeditions. Um, but the other part is the software updates of our operating system. And that is where those little, in the icon bottom right-hand corner, we see Windows updates are ready to install or download. And quite often there's a lot of us that ignore it because we know that once they've been installed, there's a reboot that's about to happen. And then the, the thought for us is say, I'll do it later, I'll do it later. But that importance of having to install those operating system updates is so vitally important. Um, and that, that also applies for the servers that we have on our network. They also have Windows updates that need to be done. And the side is completely supportive and I have empathy to the IT department. So I, sometimes they don't install those Windows updates because they don't have time. And to reboot the servers takes quite a bit of time. It's not a few minutes. Sometimes it can take hours for that to be done. And it would also knock everybody off the network if they were to install those updates. So there's the, the IT department being human and the users, the employees also being human are a big are a vulnerability to ensuring our the corporation is is secure so when people think about um you know insider threats one thing that they may or may not be considering are you know people putting pass passwords on post-it notes because they can't remember it it's too hard for them to remember or um, business people, you know, in executive positions that may have passwords or may have more access to stuff than they actually need, which becomes, you know, executives are high targets for people outside, outside to try to get into their information. And it makes it, you know, more dangerous once someone gets their information. Um, You know, like, let's say, uh, executives sharing their password with the uh, with a assistant or something, and maybe that assistant uh, somehow uh, you know gets compromised in some way. So, what what are your thoughts about that in terms of just what companies can do on the inside of their organizations, not necessarily thinking about outsider attacks? Um. Well, as a matter of policy for corporations, they should their passwords should be changed at least every 41 days, and um, with um, with rules in place for it being a minimum of eight ten characters with a special num- a special character and a number inclusive with capital letters. Um, so that's at the bare minimum. Um, I find in smaller organizations those types of policies or those rules for their passwords aren't in place. Uh, The last audit that we did, even despite having a huge IT department, and I'm talking about nine people, they had a director, a system administrator, a help internal help desk. This company had been around for 50 years and 
And the people that have worked there for almost that long had never changed their password. Uh, and to no surprise, they they got hacked, and uh, and there there was a lot of damage that had been done through that that one cyber attack. So um, through our audit, we discovered obviously that they didn't have this type of password policy in place. The passwords were uh, almost identi identical to what you see where they're. Some of them had their password under on a little post-it note underneath their keyboard hidden, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, or or on their or on their monitor or somewhere on a notepad sitting beside their mouse. There, um, those those types of protocols shouldn't be part of. We we shouldn't have to remind people in whether they be executives or users, staff anywhere on the floor. That, that that cannot be done. And to remind their IT department uh, to put this type of policy in place. When they log in, they do control, control alt delete to log in at the, in the morning. That, that has to, the rule of having that policy every 41 days at minimum should be done to keep yeah. them secure. Right. Um, I would love to talk a little bit, uh, touch on patching a bit. Um, and I want you to explain a bit about what happened with the Microsoft Exchange uh, incident uh, that, you know, the government in the U.S. sent out an advisory telling companies that they need to, to uh, do this patch update to Microsoft Exchange because, um uh, there was a there was an issue that could create vulnerabilities, right, uh, with companies that were using Microsoft Exchange on premise. Uh, can you just sort of detail what that incident was and what are your thoughts about it? Well, I, I this is by far the largest and global impact to to any network. I mean, they went right, these guys who released the ransomware, they went right for the jugular. Um, unlike other, <clears throat> unlike other uh, attacks that have been, that have gone on to data breaches of large corporations, like we know about Cisco, we know about Equifax, Yahoo, those are all corporations that were very specific to the attack. Um, those attacks cost billions of dollars but they were isolated incidences. What with this recent attack to Microsoft Exchange, it's an entire, it's a software. Uh, so, uh, let me first, I don't know, uh, I'm not sure if your users know, or sorry, if your listeners know, but what Microsoft Exchange is and why this was such a huge impact to, to oh, I think last count was 80,000 servers and counting. Um, so Microsoft Exchange, is uh, is a software platform very much like Microsoft Office and Microsoft Word, Outlook, PowerPoint, but Microsoft Exchange is a program that allows a company to house their email in-house. So uh, it would be like a, a post office, but housed inside the corporation. And what this software allows it, it basically manages 
all the emails coming in and out. So if there's any type of odd, let's say, um, um, spam that comes in, so it gets filtered right away at the exchange server. And then that, so you as the user recipient aren't going to see stuff like that, like about Viagra. So that's what Microsoft Exchange is all about. It's, it's really all about your postal um, off, post office inside. And now many corporations house their email in-house. And so now you can understand like if, I'm a corporation, you're a corporation, and we all decide to use Microsoft Exchange to house our email, to manage our email, why this, this vulnerability and this ransomware attack has been, or this data breach is, is so huge. It's a, a nuclear bomb that's gone off to affect all these different post office boxes inside as I said, 80,000 servers and counting all across North America. Um, that's why it's, it's devastating. Yeah. And then too, I think the concern that I have, well, my double concern is, you know, unfortunately some systems are not up to date on patching. So they may, they may have to do a lot of patches to get to the place where they can institute this patch. Right. And then a lot of companies, unfortunately, uh, keep that exchange information or may replicate it other places. So, you know, I always like to refer to the server in the back room where they have old emails and, you know, the server may be out of, out of date, you can't update it, you know, it's vulnerable. Unfortunately, it's probably still connected to the internet or something like those are concerning as well. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Especially like legacy data that's connected to the internet. Uh, the, well, everything, it, once you get, once a ransom is, is in or any type of virus is into your network, it has access to everything. And the email, it just has to pretend it's a valid email for to gain access to all the accounts. So it's not just the accounts of the users, it's accounts to the contact list, the data, the data of your vendors, of your clients, of every, it just multiplies, um, metastasizes all over the place. It's a hundred percent dangerous. And so from there, what it can do, if all of the recipient laptops, servers, desktops don't have their software patches, their operating system patches installed, then they're all at risk. And again, it just metastasizes and becomes available to, to anyone who doesn't have their patch in. Um, and it's, it's a sad state because it's such a simple task, simple activity for everyone to do, but unfortunately it's ignored and, and therefore it hurts ends up hurting a lot of companies and costing a huge billions of dollars for companies. Yeah. Unwarranted. Yeah. I know. I've heard some people like, well, we can't shut the server down because I'm working or I don't want to reboot my computer or patch it. It's like, you know, those, you know, even if you have one person in your organization that that is, you know, stopping that from happening, that could be, you know, that's the door. That's the open plank, right? Where someone can get in and infiltrate someone's network right 
Well, you know what? That goes back to our audit is mm-hmm. that um, I feel bad for IT because you are back to our what we had talked about, like the IT guy and having to learn how to manage. You've got all the users and their desktops and their performance issues. You've got the business in the corporation who is demanding your time and service and you've got security. So you have all these different types of tasks and responsibilities attached to your one label being the system administrator, network administrator. Um, So what we do in our help and support of that is we're able to, as this is both on the IT and the business side, we're able to audit to know exactly what patches, where are those patches, what are those patches, that need to that are missing and need to be installed. So we're, the business is no longer having to waste the time and resources to getting those installed. The IT department now knows they don't have to go from desktop to desktop, but they can they can be given a list by us as to which updates are missing from which desktop, server, laptop. The um, and that that's that has been a huge. Yeah, I say huge, but it's been a bit of a lifesaver for the IT department because there's no lo- no more guessing. They could just go through our task list and just get it all done. And then we can verify that to say, yes, in, in fact, these updates have been done. And so you're now up to date and secure. Yeah. What are your thoughts about educating people about the proactive side of cybersecurity? So you know, I like to say that a lot, a lot of companies, too many companies, right, um, think of cybersecurity like a fire department. So they don't think they need it until some emergency happens, and then they kind of scramble to get someone or or some some company to help them out. Where really, you know, there's a re, there's a proactive part that has to be in place that will help reduce your risk. So that when you do have an emergency, it's kind of, you know, less impactful to the business. Can you talk a bit about that? Sure. You know, I think if we go back to the house, you know, sure, we don't have to lock the door. We can all assume that our neighbors are going to look out for us. We can all assume that, you know, my house won't get broken into. But guy next door has a much bigger and fancier house than I do. So why would he break into my house? Well, that's kind of a silly attitude, right? It's sort of, um, that's the side part of the businesses is that they always think, well, you know, no one's going to, why would a hacker come in and break into my company? I, I'm just a small business in Toronto or I'm a small business in Nebraska. There's, there's all these big banks that are much more lucrative and worth their time to hack. But that's not true because every record and every piece of information that you house in your in your company is valuable and important to the hack. Um, so to be able to prevent any type of theft, it warrants just the ability to be aware, first of all, that it, you are not innocent. You could very well be the next victim that's number one. Number two is to do this. The attention to detail is so important to know that your IT department or consultant is there to installing your updates 
in all your servers and desktops. Um, an interesting fun fact is 70% of the data breaches are, that have occurred so far could have been prevented and by the simple installation of those operating system and software updates. Um, that's number two. And number three is it's, there's a lot of talk about policies. So having the process and policies in place, for example, um, USB encryption keys that, uh, that they're, they are either allowed or not allowed to be used. Well, you can have a policy in place that says these five USB flash drives are authorized to be used, but you don't know until, how would you know that? How do you know if somebody's using it or not using it? That's again, goes back to our audit where we're able to monitor and we're able to actively see whether those USB flash drives are, have been authorized for to be used or not. And, um, and that's really important is that it's one thing to have a process and policy manual for your cybersecurity, but if you're not willing to enforce it with your staff and your users, then it's just another piece of paper. Yeah, I think enforcement is key uh, within the organization. And then also I see a lot of companies run into trouble because they make exceptions for certain executives. So, uh, you know, for example, let's say if a company has a policy that people's passwords get changed every, you know, 30 days or so, or 40 days or 90 days, but then they have an exception where this group of people, they never have to change their password. Uh, it, it makes that, that uh, executive more vulnerable because they're going to be at the higher target anyway in terms of someone from the outside trying to get in. And then you have a situation where, you know, possibly the, pat, the, the super easy password that they have is being used by someone else, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, the, there's no such thing as an exception just because you live in because you're just because you're the executive or you're a director of some sort it doesn't give you the exception to say oh no we won't hack you oh no we won't we won't install that <laughs> ransomware into your house that doesn't give you privileges <laughs> to the hacker or to the guy who's sending out the the virus ransomware he's sending it out to anybody who's loose board you know if we go back to the perimeter to the loose board that is open and available, he'll send it in through. But, and while again, I'm not suggesting that that's not important. It is, penetration testing is really important, but just so for the executives or for the business to understand the difference. So the, in an IT, in a corporate network, you don't have just five network ports that are open. Everybody who's, who's, computer is attached to an IP address is open and available. So that port has to be scanned and protected. And if they're not open, oh, sorry, if they're not protected, then you have to go to the next line, which is back to our house. Are your doors and windows locked? And if those doors and windows aren't locked with the right fit of lock, then there's still a chance that they could get in. So then we go down even deeper. You know, are the are your valuables inside the house locked down? 
are they are they weak in any way that a, a set that a thief can um, still take it? We so we want to make sure everything is locked down. And again, it goes back to our audit to making sure that your passwords, your updates, all the policies that you have in place to to prevent any type of thief or weakness in your operations infrastructure has been strengthened and uh, and you're protected. We find that once we're finished, um, the entire culture changes. It's funny, people don't equate security with, with the performance of a corporation. Uh, two thing, two amazing things happened actually, is that when, when you've got this type of security and everybody understands what it means to be secure, there is a performance difference, an optimization to the users and how they feel about coming into work. I, I coined a phrase that says, employees come in tired and they leave exhausted because they're in fear of, their, of what's happening and they're not sure if they could be the ones to let the virus in. So once we've assured them that and taught them what needs to get done, why it's done, and and that we have prevented to the best of our ability that they are now safe and secure, they feel great. They also feel that the technology is now working for them and with them, so they no longer feel that. And when they start feeling better about themselves, they work better, They uh, the entire organization as a whole becomes better. Yeah, excellent. So what would be your wish uh, if you rule the world, Elizabeth, what is your wish for either privacy or cybersecurity? My wish, my wish is that um, IT could be viewed uh, as a preventative and not as a reactive industry. Right now, IT is is viewed as a reactive. Um, they don't want to hear about IT until there's a problem. If I could change anything, it would be that is for businesses to understand that IT is a preventative. It can be prevented. The, the performance issues, the security issues, the stability issues, all those problems could be prevented. And if, if they can see their way to that, they will find uh, that their bottom lines will increase they won't have as many expenses towards health and user problems. Um, they'll be spending less on their their IT budgets won't increase the way that they have been. And uh, yeah, and we certainly, my goal as an IT auditor, it's a big, hairy, audacious goal, but it would be to start seeing the number of data breaches go down because I know it's possible. I all for 20 years, none of our clients, um, none of our clients from where we started at the beginning with them for the past 15 years, none of them have ever had a data breach. It's only been the past couple of years that where we have been in, uh, been aud auditing, advertising our auditing services uh, on a much larger scale, are we meeting companies that have already been breached uh, and now they're on a very good road track uh, with our plan, uh, with knowledge and empowerment of, 
what it takes to stay secure in preventing further hacks. So that's, that's my, my wish. That's excellent. Well, thank you so much, Elizabeth, for joining me. Uh, this is a great session. I think that a lot of things you said are very important. And I know that uh, the listeners and especially uh, those that are, you know, the CEOs, they should really heed, uh, you know, your advice in terms of being able to understand the complexity of cybersecurity and knowing you know, where the gaps are and the right questions to ask. So, well, thank you again for being on my podcast and we'll talk soon. Thank you so much for having me. I really had fun. <laughs> we'll talk again. Okay. Bye. Bye.